Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome in to the BSN Rockies podcast. It really wasn't talked about back then when I was in middle school and high school about pitching at elevation. It, the majority of the staff, I think, except for Marquez, we all came through the system uh, of the Rockies. And, and you can see that this was installed a long time ago. We're going to put a team on the field that's that's going to hit and play defense well, but also have a, a group of pitchers that know what it takes to pitch at this level and also you know, pitching at Coors with everything that goes along with that, with, you know, altitude and everything. It's very special, and we pride ourselves on it. And once I actually got off the family plan, I actually texted him, hey, I got my own phone bill, and he's like, it's about time. <laughs> so those were pretty good. Ones. Did you have a gold glove before you were on your own phone plan? Um, yeah, I did. I, did, I, did. <laughs> I got brought in with runner at second, and I walked the eight, nine hole guys um, who I faced in Triple A earlier that year. And then all of a sudden, Derek Jeter comes over with bases loaded, and I'm like, oh man, what do I do? But I started off the breaking ball actually for striking, and ended up oh, striking him out. So <laughs> <laughs> what, do I, what do I do? I'll surprise him. <laughs> and now, your host, Drew Creaseman. Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to continue answering questions that we've gotten from Twitter and also a few from BSNDenver.com and then anything that's coming in here on the Facebook Live, trying to figure out what's going on with these Colorado Rockies, what can be done to uh, get things going in a direction, whether or not the season is salvageable. A lot of different ways to go with this right now. A lot of different people feeling different things. <clears throat> but I do like this comment here from Jambron, who asks quite simply, why isn't progression linear? Um and related, does this team's playoff chances essentially rest on Kyle Freeland being some semblance of himself soon? Now, I don't think it's fair to put it all on one guy, but I do think that's the one thing that could go their way that would make a whole lot of sense if Kyle Freeland did return to the best version of himself, was able to turn that corner, come out strong here down the stretch. That would be 
probably the most reasonable, very positive thing that can happen that could help turn the team around. But as he points out in the first part of the question, progress isn't linear. And we've seen this over and over again. We, we've seen it with Trevor Story. has been a great example that there are times where it takes an entire season for certain negative elements of your game to get figured out. And it may just end up being kind of a lost season for Freeland. It may end up being a, a lost season for Marquez, and therefore it may end up being a lost season for the Rockies. But that's really what it all comes down to here. And if those guys look fantastic their next couple of times out, then that's all the indication in the world that there's enough time for them to get right back into this thing. <laughs> no pressure, right? And, and, and that's the difficult thing there is saying, okay, well, it's all on you. You guys have to go out and do it. That's not necessarily fair. That's just the situation that the team has played themselves into at this point, that they do now need one or two key players to just get it done. And, and it's it's not going to be able, the, even at this point, like a huge blockbuster trade, if they just went and added Madison Bumgarner, they still need all of those other guys to do their jobs. They still need Marquez and Freeland and John Gray to pitch well for them to get where they're going to go. So <clears throat> may just end up being that it's one of those progress is not linear seasons for everybody. Uh, Neil asks, one, how can the Rockies pitching get their confidence back? I wouldn't normally be concerned, but hearing that Herman was close to crying really showed where their heads are at. They seem lost. I, I had a slightly different reaction to that, Neil, and and that's because he seemed both very upset but also very determined. And I was right there, and, and I assume that my tweet is what you're referring to because he was fighting back the tears. But one, he did successfully fight them back. And two, it, it was clear that he was just beyond frustrated at his own performance at how the season has gone. And I think it could end up being one of those tipping points for him as well. Now, that could go either way. That could mean that he really just doesn't recover from it and the rest of the season goes downhill and, and that's just how it goes. But he's a very mentally strong young man is Herman Marquez. And my reaction to seeing him do that was a young man who will be determined to never let something like that happen again. He's been very good about learning from his mistakes, but he's also been able to get away with some mistakes that he maybe didn't realize were mistakes because he was getting away with them. And so this is the next step of his career to see how he responds. But there are the, the, the reason why so many people who know them are confident in Marquez and Freeland, this goes back to a topic uh, on the last podcast we were talking a lot about the intangibles and the mental stuff and this is the mental side of the game freeland and marquez still have good stuff or they still marquez has very very good stuff freeland has at least major league caliber stuff they didn't forget entirely how to pitch they're the same people the league is adjusted in a lot of ways there are a few other mechanical things going on i think for both but the question really is how do you mentally respond when stuff like this happens to you. We've seen John Gray come out the other side of it. We've seen Trevor Story come out the other side of it. 
For David Dahl, who's really his battle has been with the injuries, we've seen him come out the other side of it, make himself an all-star. And part of the reason why I stuck with each one of those guys through those struggles, especially John Gray and Trevor Story, when, when there were really a lot of people writing them off in their downtimes, is because I believe they were mentally strong enough to get back to being very good professional Major League Baseball players. And I believe that of both Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland. I think the question is only will there be enough time? Both of them will get it back, but it may not be this season. It may not be till next year, in which case this season just goes down in flames. It might start this road trip and go through the rest of the year and they're back and they are who they are. This is why we don't know. This is why you play 162. But this is also why sometimes teams do turn on a dime. Because there is this mental element of the game. At some point, they've got to respond. And I'm not placing my doubt in either one of those two young men, knowing how strong they are, how good a character they are, how hard of workers they are. For me, it's not a question of if Marquez and Freeland will get back to being good major league pitchers. The question is whether or not there will be enough time left in this season when they do that or if it'll have to wait until next year, kind of the way it did with John Gray ultimately. Neil also says we're seeing a lot more ground balls from Rockies hitters, Desi and Walters especially. Any change in the approaches at the plate for the team? I don't think so. I think, honestly, over that last homestand, a lot of that had to do with exhaustion, legs. You need your legs to hit. They faced some good pitching, some guys who were able to to keep the ball down. But it's tough to go down and get underneath a major league quality fastball at the knees when you don't have your legs. That's part of the reason why being so tired can, can be such an issue. But I don't think they've changed their approach. They have the same approach they had when they were scoring all those runs in May and June. And Neil also points out correctly that a lot of what happened this homestand was bad luck. The ball that got past Dahl in the corner, Pilar locking down center field, etc. It's safe to say that the Dodgers sold their souls to the devil and have these bad luck things happen to the rest of the NL West while they have incredible luck winning games the way no other team should be winning games. Um, luck is a major element of, of the game of baseball. The, the Joe Panic little squibber that got right past Peter Lambert on the mound that essentially ended up being a game winner in that game. That's just terrible luck. Well, Ryan McMahon scorching balls right at guys. But those are the things that happen. They don't always, but they do tend to balance out. And as I've mentioned before, a lot of times you can help create your luck by playing a more confident, capable brand of baseball. Those little things tend to go against you when you're hanging your heads and you're not playing tight and well. The one thing I'll push back on here, actually, because I think it allows us to have another interesting conversation. You mentioned Pilar locking down center field. Nothing lucky about that whatsoever. Kevin Pilar is a fantastic defensive center fielder, and I think this was a reminder that the Rockies ought to be on the lookout for one of those. 
whether it's this offseason, unlikely they, they get one at the trade deadline. If they do end up selling, it's part of the reason why I think you're you're looking at it making a lot of sense to move Ian Desmond because you can replace him theoretically in the future if you if you're not sure about Tapia and some of his warts defensively and you don't want to run David Dahl into the ground then you really seriously need to consider going and getting one of those guys I got flambeed in the offseason did I say that correctly uh for (laughs) suggesting that the Rockies take a look at Billy Hamilton or D Gordon when those guys were free agents precisely for this reason Uh, Kevin Pillar probably took four or five runs off the board in that series by getting really good jumps on balls, chasing stuff down in the gap. And those go for extra base hits. Those aren't just, he. oh, well, he took away a couple of singles. Who knows if they would have come around to score. He's taken away leadoff doubles. He's taken away doubles with guys on base that definitely would have scored runs. Uh, some of those balls that get into the gaps at Coors Field turn into triples. And so <clears throat> that was always why, and, and, and people were saying to me, man, the Rockies' biggest problem 2018 was the offense. So why are you saying they should go get Billy Hamilton, who can't hit? I said, well, I'm not thinking about Billy Hamilton to come in and hit. I, I'm thinking about Billy Hamilton playing center field at Coors, running those baseballs down in the gap and helping out your defense because I still think the biggest the, – the team has got to get back to being a run prevention first team. And it's not that they've purposefully stopped – doing that it's, it's because individual pitchers have struggled so much but the lapses in defense have exacerbated all of the issues of the pitching because at the very least when they've had these problems before usually the the good Rockies teams could count on a solid defense backing them up and converting those balls in play into outs but now you got Daniel Murphy dropping stuff at first base when Trevor Story makes a nice play at short you got Desmond dropping stuff in center field. Charlie Blackman last year was not good in center field, and he, he hasn't been great in right field. Ryan Altapia has plays where he's where he's really good in left, but he also has other plays where he completely misplays the ball or doesn't hit the cutoff, man. So your outfield defense is just one giant question mark, and it's the toughest outfield in all of baseball to play. And I think they've proven that they, they, they can get enough hitting with Story and Arenado. Blackman, though, you know, then you got to keep him around in the outfield. But they're they're getting enough hitting for sure. So having some some better defense would certainly be an an interesting look. They might want to look into that is all I'm going to say there (laughs) about the defense. (laughs) Got a few other. One's coming in from the uh, Twitter sphere here. David asks, should the Rockies pursue Madison Bumgarner before the deadline? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it would have made more sense a week ago. Um, and and, and the, I doubt they're going to be front runners and you shouldn't be trading a whole lot to make that happen. But that's certainly one of those things. You know, a lot of people will say, look, man, this team, you know, this is not a playoff team. But if you make a change like that, you've, you've changed the your core I mean, you bring in a Madison Bumgarner that could absolutely be the kind of thing that shakes up a team and gets you going on a roll and, and does more than just what he's going to do on the field but gets you to a place where your whole season can turn around on a move like that or a Marcus Stroman I think that could be a season turning around move but there are 
you know, the, the season could turn around without a great big move. So I don't think you want to get crazy now with it still being unlikely here with moving out high-end prospects. But everyone should, at the very least, anyone who thinks they, they could be around there should be interested in Madison Bumgarner. And I'll tell you what else. I, I know he's not scared of pitching at Coors Field, and I know he likes Colorado, and I know he'd like to beat the Dodgers. And I think he'd pitch well in a Rockies uniform. So if they can go out and play well against the Yankees and Nationals here, and a week from now, they're still a game or two out of the wild card, hanging right around in there, why not? Do it. Let's get it done. Make a big splash, but without... And the thing about Bumgarner is because he's a rental, I don't think you... you you're certainly not talking about... And again, we talked about this earlier. Brendan Rodgers on the shelf, so you wouldn't be in that conversation anyway. But it's not even that level of a move. Could get interesting here. Could get very interesting. But they need to give now... I, You know, I, I was saying earlier in the season that I, th I thought Jeff Breidich could get proactive and aggressive if there's anything out there, if it's possible, and you never know. Sometimes, you know, it takes two to tango. And if other GMs aren't going to move stuff, you can't just get down on Jeff Breidich saying, you should have made moves earlier. Like, it doesn't quite work that way. But now they have to show him that it makes any sense to add to this team. They've got to prove that to Jeff Breidich by coming out and playing well against the Yankees and the Nationals. Going to take a quick break here, come back on the other side, and have a look over the pitching matchups for this series with the Yankees and uh, talk a little bit about what it's going to be like to see some of these old friends again. Tucked away from the city, Raccoon Creek is your go-to golf course. Their location in Littleton provides more than just a beautiful golfing experience. They have the perfect setting for year-round events with unbelievable views. It's a fun place to golf. It's a different atmosphere. It's a really nice course. and It's fast greens. They have a good crew there, so it's always in good shape. They're having uh, comedy shows. they got like this really cool fire pit in the back now. It's changed a lot. There's a whole, whole new patio that has like the best views in Colorado. I think you can just see the mountains, you see the golf course. You know, kind of like Cheers. Everybody knows your name and your handicap. That was Todd. He's been golfing at Raccoon Creek for years now, and it's his favorite golf course in the area because of the environment that they've created. Raccoon Creek has embraced technology, adding golf board rentals to their course, as well as updating their golf carts to be equipped with GPS that provides score updates of sporting events and live scoring for outings and tournaments. They also have an app where you can schedule tee times, receive happy hour specials, and stay up to date on all of their upcoming events. Download their app today and receive a free bucket of balls or check them out online at raccooncreek.com. Welcome back into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Uh, before we get into the matchups in this series, I, I did want to mention one other thing that I kind of forgot to talk about uh, before the break, which is that we saw some really weird signs out of the bullpen in the homestand. Obviously, Wade Davis's issues continue to look Almost exactly the same. He had two, one, two, three innings back to back and then went right into his 
can't throw a strike to save his life situation. Too many walks. You just can't do that at Coors Field. Scott Oberg continues to show you that he's absolutely awesome. Uh, but I thought we saw some really nice things out of Carlos Estevez as well. I know in the finale, he did end up giving up a couple of runs on a series of singles, none of which were hit especially hard, and he should have been out of that inning without any runs having scored. Uh, Trevor Story with the bobble at shortstop. But the thing that I like about what Estevez is doing right now is that he's pounding the strike zone, and he's doing it with velocity. He is attacking, and that has been a primary key for the Colorado Rockies when they're pitching well, particularly at home. Uh, Yes, sometimes you're going to get bit on a series of singles. If guys are throwing the bat out there, knowing it's probably going to be in the zone, but when you're bringing 99 and you're sitting around the edges, you're eventually going to get out of stuff like that. You're going to get your fair shares of swings and misses and broken bats. And as I mentioned, if he gets the defense from Trevor Story that he normally gets, I think he's out of there. So you've got some pretty positive signs from Carlos Estevez, who I think is going to have a, a strong finish to the year, a la uh, Scott Oberg from one season ago and so it wouldn't surprise me at all if that still ends up being the conversation a week from now if the Rockies can get something done it's going to be interesting to see what these games look like if there's a way for them to figure out just a way to get some wins they need a couple little lucky things to go their way back to what Neil had been writing about there were still you know some um karma moments they need one one break goes their way then they need to capitalize on it and they can turn this thing around but you're still going to be looking at a bullpen that needs additions out there one way or another I, I think the rotation can be there with what you've got in fact they're in this interesting place with the rotation and I, I got that question here from John who simply asks it looks like the Rockies have six starting pitchers right now. Who's the odd man out? That's a fantastic question. They're in this weird spot. And this just goes to show you how strange this is for the Rockies right now because on obviously they've got to give Freeland another look, right? But you got to put that aside for just a moment. Assume he does well. Assume he pitches well this evening, whatever your, your definition of, of pitching well is. John Gray, obviously, one bad outing is not enough to give up on him and say, no, nah, you got to take him out of the rotation, not doing that. Herman Marquez, I think you want to give him every single opportunity to bounce back with a vengeance. Plus, again, you're not going to go and get out of your minor league system anybody more talented than that guy right now. You want to give him another opportunity to get out there, see what he can do. Then you've got Peter Lambert who the last time out, he was really, really good. And in context, he's pitched very well against some really good competition, as we've talked about before, making his first several starts against the Cubs a couple of times, the Dodgers a couple of times, and the Astros. He's hung in there just fine. And you've got Antonio Sensatella, who oddly enough may be the odd man out of eventually and he at one point was the most consistent starter 
in this rotation. Not always excellent, but he was giving you a quality start seven out of ten times out. If he goes around and get goes out there and gets knocked around, I could see him being the odd man out because Chichi Gonzalez, did he not earn at least one more look? With everything going on at Coors Field, with how ugly and chaotic those games were, did Chichi Gonzalez not go out and throw five innings, two-run baseball? Really only made the one mistake, too. As we talked about, the ball he threw to, to Stephen Volt was was a mistake that got hammered. But the changeup down and in, like, yeah, you, you, you don't want to go down and in too often to lefties, and Brandon Crawford likes it there. But still, it was a decently located pitch. I think with everything else that's gone on, when a guy goes out and gives you five and two at Coors and he looks confident and, and in his zone and, and all right there, you got to give Chi-Chi another look. But then this question comes up. Can one of those two guys help you in the bullpen? And and if so, who helps you more? We've seen a capable Antonio Senzatella out of the bullpen before. I don't know if Chichi Gonzalez has bullpen experience, and I don't know how well he might adapt to it. And if you want them to be long men, because theoretically you've already got your long man in Chad Bettis, though he's been using a myriad of ways, and he's really struggled lately. So replacing him, or, or at least taking the innings load off of him and giving some of them to Chichi or Antonio Sensatella may be the right way to go, but I'd like to see Chichi Gonzalez make at least one more start for this team. So I don't know that how they're going to do that little juggle. And it's not that all six guys, obviously, it's not that all six guys are pitching well. In fact, right this particular moment, coming off of their last outings, Lambert was good, Chichi was good, everybody else was bad their last time out. But you got to see what you got moving forward, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Rockies kind of juggle this thing a little bit and, and if we see one of those guys step into the bullpen but starting tonight just a couple of hours from me recording this Kyle Freeland goes back out for his second start coming back from being sent down and hopefully there won't be any kind of crazy delays or anything weird like that and he's got to go up against a, a very difficult to face Yankees lineup featuring Starting all-star second baseman DJ LeMayhew. And they got some big boppers in that lineup, man. It's going to be tough. He, If he's off his game, he's going to get pounded. But what you know is if he can go out there and give him five innings or six innings of two or even three runs, even six or seven innings and four runs against this lineup in that ballpark, you, you're going to feel pretty good about it. You're going to know that that he's earned that. Because this is a difficult place to pitch. He goes up against J.A. Happ, a lefty, with a 4.93 ERA. So one of the guys the Rockies should have more success being able to get after, though lefties have caused them issues at times. Looks like they got Desmond in there, and they've got Mark Reynolds in the DH spot. Or, I'm sorry, they've got Mark Reynolds playing first base because he, he can play some defense. They've got Daniel Murphy in at the DH spot against the lefty. Um, the, the, this is a tough matchup to know because you just don't know what you're going to get out of Kyle Freeland. But J.A. Happ is a beatable pitcher for the Rockies to face here. And if they can get a little momentum going early, this could be a game they come out and steal. Game two sees Antonio Sensatella 
take on Masahiro Tanaka, who's been quite a bit better with a 381 ERA. Uh, probably didn't deserve to be an all-star just based on his surface numbers, but uh, his last time out only allowed a couple of solo home runs to the Blue Jays, scattering four hits, striking out five. He's not a huge strikeout pitcher. The Rockies are going to be need to be patient. He also doesn't walk a ton of guys, so they're going to need to really work the count in uh, that second game on Saturday, which is an afternoon game, or for you locals, it's it's a morning game. It's at 11 o'clock Saturday, as is the Sunday game. It's an 11 o'clock start, and it's Harmen Marquez trying to get back on track against James Paxton, the big fireball-throwing lefty with a 3.94 ERA. He's got 102 strikeouts on the season. He does have some pretty good strikeout stuff. Uh, he limited the Rays to two runs his last time out, so Marquez is going to need to be back on top of his game. Uh, but, you know, none, these guys all have slightly elevated ERAs, kind of like the Rockies do, because Yankee Stadium is a tough place to pitch, and so if the offense can get back to feeling their best after the day off, take advantage of some of these guys, come come out with the right approach, they can really do their pitching uh, a, a great service there and they're going to need to because this is a, a an absolutely brutal matchup in terms of the pitching for the lineup so this could be it it's, it could be a make or break road trip for the team and this could be a make or break road trip and really series here beginning now for these pitchers if Marquez and Freeland can navigate this man they get right back on track but if not it, it could just be something they they don't recover from which would obviously be a sad ending to the season. I'm actually going to take another quick break here, uh, come back on the other side of it, uh, answer a few more questions, and wrap this one up a little more quick. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. All right, welcome back into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Uh, I wanted to answer this question from Taylor on Twitter, uh, wondering, you know, with Rogers out, is that there that much more pressure on Ryan McMahon to take over at second base, and can he do it? Uh, I don't think there's necessarily that much more pressure, but look, I think Ryan McMahon's taking over a spot on this team one way or another in the future, and I thought that was one of the things that got really lost 
And understandably so. I, I get why fans aren't watching the series and going, well, yeah, but McMahon hit the ball well. But for the future of the Colorado Rockies, that is a big development. He's been hitting the ball hard regularly for a little while now. He looks fantastic at the plate. And he looks fantastic at second base. And if he's going to finish the season playing the way he did on the homestand, he's one of the very few players that had a really good homestand for the Colorado Rockies. Maybe the only guy who all the way around did. And I think I've said it before, and I understand why people who've only seen him at the major league level aren't convinced yet. But that young man has star potential does Ryan McMahon. It could be a huge revelation. And look, blooming at 24 does not make you a late bloomer, right? Just that it took him, that he didn't pop right away. He's still very young, but he's locked in at the plate right now. And if he can have a big road trip and be a part of showing that he might actually take a step forward and become a part of the core of this team, alongside Story and Arenado and Dahl and Blackman. That could be huge. That could be, especially if the season does end up being a lost one, that probably will be the biggest story in a positive direction for the Rockies down the stretch. But it's one of those potential things that sticks in my mind when I look at the three and a half out of the wild card and people say, what could possibly lead you to believe? that this team who just played like that is going to go on a run and start beating teams like the Yankees and the Nationals. And my response to that is there's just this untapped potential, and it may remain untapped, or it may slowly get untapped and, and not be a big enough surge to make a difference. But I'm starting to see in Ryan McMahon a confident Major League Baseball player who feels he belongs, can compete with anybody, and is ready to take that next step to being one of those guys. So keep your eyes on him over these next couple of days. I think that's a a great question, a great thing to look forward to. You know, as we talk about these young pitchers as well, it all takes time. Not for everybody, but there are very few Ronald Acuna's and Ken Griffey Jr.'s and Felix Hernandez's, and we know their names for a reason. Garrett Hampson, to a lesser extent, obviously he had a couple of big sort of pronounced mistakes in the one game but you know what else he did he was the only guy in that game hitting the ball well he's the only one getting to third base yeah he got thrown out there a couple of times but he got to third base in that game his hitting appears to be coming around he had a sloppy play at second the other day that really surprised me because he's such a solid defender but these are also the things you learn from. And, and I think Garrett Hampson's the type of player who's never going to make that mistake again because he made it this time. Either one of them. He got out of the box a little bit slow on the one he was just thrown out straight there at, at third, and he started to slide a little bit early. He's not going to do that again. 
He's going to be an asset for this team moving forward. I don't think you're going to see that that lost at the plate, still trying to figure out if he belongs at the big league level version of Garrett Hampson that we saw the first couple of months of the season. So those are some things that if they start to come around could be big energy boosts for the team, especially because a youth movement gets right back to what we were talking about earlier. That's one of the best ways you can bring levity and fun back to your team because old guys, no matter how crotchety, old and serious you are when the young guys start doing well and they're having fun and it's their first time in the big league doing x y or z that feeling translates that feeling is palpable that 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 is contagious if players like Hampson and McMahon and Tapia and Dahl can contribute in big ways in some of these important games then it could be a huge boost, obviously, toward winning, but in that momentum department, in that clubhousiness, as our friend Mary put it earlier, department. Tyler says, could you see trading Hampson away with a couple of other players in order to strengthen the rotation? Especially with McMahon and Rodgers in the pipeline, it seems like Hampson may not have a long-term role. I could see that somewhere down the line. I think if you're going to move Hampson at this trade deadline, though, you need to do it for a pitcher who's still going to be around a year from now. You're not moving Garrett Hampson for a rental. Even, well, maybe Madison Bumgarner, but probably not even then. Because Garrett Hampson could help you in a lot of ways in the future, uh, even if it is as a catch-all utility man, off the bench, base runner, defense type of player. Uh, but I could see it because... You're, you're right in that he's blocked a little bit or he's likely to be blocked a little bit. And in that he's got value. And they could maybe get something for him. And it looks pretty clear right now that they need some pitching. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I think it'd be tough to work out a specific deal right now that would work for both parties involved. But... He's he's definitely a piece that would be attractive to other teams to bring in and somebody the Rockies wouldn't feel like they're totally without an answer if they move him uh, as part of a deal. So could be one of those guys, but I'll tell you what, I do think he's going to have a big finish here. I think these young guys in particular are going to keep it going. Wouldn't surprise me if Daniel Murphy continues to to get it going. Charlie's going to come out of his funk. You assumed he was going to stop hitting 478 or whatever it was. Story and Otto just keep doing their thing, and they'll be fine. It's all about the pitching. All about the pitching. So we tune in, and we see what Kyle Freeland has. And if he doesn't have it, it's going to be a tough finish to the season probably. And if he's got it, this could get interesting in the other way. I mean, we're, we're, we're really at a turning point. One way, a fork in the road for the season. This road trip. This is it. And you don't hear me say stuff like that very often. Obviously, mathematically, they can go out and lose every game in this road trip and still the season would not be over and they could, you know, mathematically speaking, still be around. But I think you got to sell at that point. You only win one or two games on this trip. you got to sell. 
But I don't think I don't think anyone's ready for that yet. I don't think the clubhouse is ready for that. I know Kyle Freeland's not ready for that. If anybody wants Colorado's sports team to win, he wants them all to win. He gets mad when the Avalanche and the Broncos and the Nuggets lose. He don't want this thing to be over. You're gonna get his all. That you know that. You're gonna get every ounce of effort out of Kyle Freeland tonight. And if he's got it, you think that couldn't inspire the team to get back on track? You don't think Kyle Freeland could inspire this team with one really good performance that it might just maybe all turn around? More than 65 games to play, three and a half out of a wild card spot, and your best pitcher from a year ago just might be back? Yeah, you can feel like a different team at that point, but you know, if it doesn't happen, then you need Marquez to do it. And if it doesn't happen then, that might be it. Watch this space. About an hour to go to game time from when I'm speaking now, so I'm going to wrap this thing up, get it posted as a podcast. want to thank everybody for coming in and asking questions on the Facebook Live. Make sure to follow us on social media, at BSN Rockies, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on whatever podcast app you're using out there. Leave us a little one-sentence review. And subscribe to bsndenver.com. Get yourself a free T-shirt and access to all of these fun and uh, exclusive articles. There was a great one this morning from our guy Patrick Lyons who spoke with Corey Sullivan about playing at Yankee Stadium. If you like the history of baseball, uh, some of it not even having to do with the Colorado Rockies, I think you're really going to enjoy that one. So thank you all for listening in and continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.